Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Phyllis Mentelli, who has a powerful story about heartache and abuse in her family, which resulted in very poor relationships to being one who is fully restored by the love of Jesus. Family dysfunction is hard to live with as an adult, and as a child, it's even more impactful in a negative way. Today, you're going to hear Phyllis's story of how God not only restored her, but her relationship with her mom and more. Welcome, Phyllis. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am so honored and blessed to have you here, part of my Healthy Relationship series that I'm doing. So Phyllis, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family. Yeah. So first off, I will start with the fun stuff. I've been married for 31 years to a really great man that puts up with all my crazy. And I have two grown daughters, one of which is expecting our second grandchild this December. And I am called a Fifi instead of grandma. That's my grandma title. And I'm also the author of the first book I've done so far, which is called Unmothered Life with a Mom Who Couldn't Love Me. I started a podcast myself with a co-host and my best friend this last year called 24 Carat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda. And then God took me on a journey this last October, I guess, knowing that COVID was going to hit. And I became a certified coach with ASA, Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, and I have been coaching people who want to write their own hard stories or speak their personal testimony and started a coaching also on patience and grace, life coaching, walking women through mother-daughter dysfunction and just trying to coach them to a new place and a new way of thinking. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. Now, I have to ask, where did Fifi come from? Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. So just from Phyllis, I had a few friends here that just, I don't know why, either was called Philly, but then a couple of them started calling me Fifi. And what was ironic is when my son-in-law was, when she was engaged to my daughter, he started calling me Fifi and his name is Julius and I would call him Juju. And so that was kind of our little nicknames to each other. But then when they got married, his parents said, oh, you have to call them mom and dad now. (laughs) And so (laughs) he's very respectful. And so he does call me mom, which I love because I lost a son. And so I get to call him son. And then when they got pregnant, he said, well, we need a fun grandma name for you. And he goes, oh, it has to be Fifi. Like that's your nickname. And I, I just loved it. So my grandson, Costin calls me Fifi. And every time I hear that name, it just like 
makes my heart burst. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. So Phyllis, could you take us back to your childhood? What was it like for you? And what kind of emotions did you feel as a young girl growing up with a mom who was unstable? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of funny when people ask that, because I'm sure as you know, it's like your family to you is just kind of that's your normal, even though, you know, it's not normal, but, you know, we grew up in a very, very dysfunctional family, very violent family. My mom was in several abusive relationships. And so there was a lot of cover up. I would say a lot of secrets were done in my family. My mom pretended that everything was normal, but behind closed doors, I suspect my mom was bipolar. I always say you never knew what you were coming home to. And she covered it up with alcohol. And so there was on the outside, she would dress us perfectly. Every hair had to be in place. My mom was a hairdresser by trade. And so we always had ribbons in our hair and every curl was in place and everything was immaculate. But on the inside, there was just a lot of physical abuse. There was emotional abuse. And so I learned how to grow up and be, everything was full of secrets. And I learned how to mask just on the outside. It was like, we're great. We're fine. And on the inside, I was a little girl just screaming for some kind of affection. And And so it just really like gave me a lot of anxiety, I think, from trying to maneuver all these things. And then also, ironically, I'm kind of the peacemaker of the family. So I found myself really trying to cover things up and make things better and calm my mom down and my siblings. So I kind of took on that role very early on. Where were you in the line of children? I'm the middle child. (laughs) Middle child. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so with that, you know, you brought up some very truthful things that living in an abusive family, a dysfunctional family where there is physical, emotional, verbal abuse, that we wear masks, that we can put on masks. And did you recognize that? When did you recognize you first started wearing that mask? Was it as a child, as a teen? When when was that? I think probably preteen. I think what happens is you start looking at other people's families and you realize men aren't mean all the time. You realize that there was a lot of hugs and kisses, which we didn't really see a lot in our family. You know, it was sporadic. I'm not going to say it was all bad all the time, but definitely there was some differences. And so along with that comes shame because you realize that there was just a lot of things going on that you feel embarrassed about. And, you know, one of the things is my mother had had an affair. And so she had taken us kids and away from my father. My father actually came home to an empty house. So when I was eight years old, that's kind of started us on a different path. And so she was pregnant with another man's child. And my sister is a different nationality. And so she didn't want to try to fake her way saying that it was his child because she knew it wouldn't be born looking like our family. And so, you know, again, the shame of that she carried on into our family. But I think a lot of times we see once we hit about 12 or 13, that either you feel very comforted by your family, or you just know that there's a lot of dysfunction in your family. And Of course, you know, when teen years hit, then suddenly you become dysfunctional yourself because 
you just start seeking out different things that aren't healthy for you. And so for me, it was just like, there was a lot of rage and anger that came along with broken promises and things that she would say was going to change and it didn't. And so then I started really abusing myself with different things out of the anger and just the feeling of loss. And you brought up a a really powerful point about, you know, the rage and the anger and the broken promises, the shame, anxiety. These are all the words I wrote down, embarrassed as you're Mm. talking. And just imagine, you know, you're a teenager or a preteen and feeling all of that. And I'm thinking of our listeners right now that can identify with that, that were raised in a dysfunctional or abusive family, and they too struggle with some of those things. So what was the result of your life being parented in that way? Right. So what I think the biggest takeaway for me that I see now is that even though I was raised by an unstable mother and I saw it, I knew in my head, like something's not right. But I think that because you are raised day after day after day in that situation, you automatically pick up that baggage, right? And so you start becoming the thing that you hate. And so for me, it was like, I just like clinged on to every guy that passed me by and like gave me a second look. It was like, be with me, love me. (laughs) And, you know, having a lot of sexual engagements with people, drugs was just a go-to, like anything with a drug that could put you in a different headspace so you didn't have to live what was really your life. And I think living dangerously, I would, I would be with these people that were literally could have put me in situations where I could have died. And yet it was like the thrill of that. And where that came from is like, when you see a physical abuse, it's like, you're used to that anxiety, kind of the thrill of like the fight and flight kind of thing. And so a normal relationship to you is boring. And so you actually crave that excitement and that danger. And so I found myself really getting into these situations where I look back and think like, holy moly, (laughs) like, I can't believe I came out of that alive and not arrested and not dead or any of those kind of things. But it is just something that until you really sit back and look at your life and realize like, I have picked up the bad habits of what I have learned as a child. And now I need to stop and relearn. That takes a while. And unfortunately for me, it took a first marriage that didn't work and the passing of our child. So I had a son that was born with congenital heart disease when I was 26 years old. And I was already in this marriage that wasn't really functioning well. And I was holding, I was like white knuckling my life saying like, you know, I need to be this good mom and I need to make this marriage work. And then when that baby was born and he had to have open heart surgery when he was four days old, by the end of two weeks, they came to me and said, you have to make a decision to take this child off life support. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what is going on with my life? And I really, at that time, I wasn't a Christian. And so I really deducted it to God must really hate me because he's taking this child away from me. I have just imploded my life. And so the, again, the guilt and the shame and just that pressure of feeling like 
the weight of the world was on my shoulders and I was worthless. And so that actually, I tell people now that was 35 years ago. And I tell people now that my son was my biggest tragedy and my biggest blessing because that was a crossroads in my life where I had to sit back and look at my life and really think, what do I want to do now? Like I need to start making different decisions because I am floating through life, kind of doing the same things my mom was doing. I was drinking too much, not during my pregnancy, but before, and I knew that that was going to continue. I was getting into relationships that I wasn't really soul tied to. And so it was a journey for me to give up everything. I walked away from that marriage with nothing. I called a friend and said, I need a job because I thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom and now I don't have this child. And so I said, I need a job and I need a place to stay because I have to start over. And she said, my company is hiring and you can sleep on my couch for three months. And so that was my crossroads to really get back to me and knock out all the other, no man could save me drugs couldn't save me. Alcohol couldn't save me. And it wasn't a straight shot. Like I still made a lot of mistakes along the way, but it was the first crossroads where I had to really look at my life and say, I am not doing this right. And I heard the voice of God. And one of the things I wanted to say is I always heard the voice of God. Even when I was a little girl, I could feel his spirit. So I know that he took me on this journey and led me to this place. But if you keep ignoring the voice, I think the journey continues and becomes longer and harder. And so you really have to, you know, that was that place where I had to settle in and go, that was a voice that is guiding me out of dysfunction. And so that became like the crossroads of where I needed it to change. Wow. As you were talking, I was thinking about some of the things you were saying that the thrill yet the thrill and the fight and flight. But as you were talking about that and mentioning that you suspect that your mom was bipolar, well, part of bipolar is manic and you do risky behaviors in in manic. So that was modeled for you all the time. So that just seemed normal that this is what we do. We do these things that are risky and bipolar has different characteristics in each individual. But for some individuals, they really do the pretty risky behaviors. And it sounds like maybe that's what your mom was doing. But through that, really, you were looking for love and acceptance, you know, through everything that was going on in your life, you know, the love and and unhealthy relationships and the drugs and the risky behaviors, you were looking for the love and acceptance. But when we're not raised healthy, or we experience any type of abuse, we for those that experience sexual abuse as well, we have a distorted vision and view of love. And so we think, oh, okay, this is what was modeled to me. This is what love looks like. And you may get physically abused, but that's what love is. That's what my mom did. So what a powerful story. And so you shared with us that, you know, you had your son and, oh, my heart just grieves for you at the loss of your son and the effects that it's had on your life and on your soul. So was that your fully restored story when you had him, when you lost him, and then you transitioned to your friend staying at her house? Was that when you began to feel God's presence in your life? 
Yeah. So that was the beginning of my fully restored story. So it was crazy because I'm by myself and I'm grieving this loss of my son at the same time starting my life over. But I really did rely on that voice. And like I said, it wasn't a straight shoot to like, I found Jesus. Everything's great. I was still kind of partying a little bit and I was still trying to figure out my own life, but I got my own apartment and I started really journaling a lot and writing things down of like, what is it that I really wanted out of my life? And spending that time alone, I actually liked myself for the first time. I didn't, it was almost like I could breathe again when I got out of that marriage. It was like, you know, I realized I don't need a man to fulfill me. When I get a man again, it's to come alongside me. And I think what happened was in the beginning, I always wanted someone to cover me, to like hold me, be everything for me, be my Prince Charming. Well, I still wanted a Prince Charming, but I wanted him to come alongside me and really support me and respect me. And so I settled into really writing about a lot of that and seeing like, what is it that I want in a partner? That's when I met my second husband. And so I met him at work and Mike and I just formed this really beautiful relationship and he is actually eight years younger than me. And so he was still in college and I was like, oh gosh, you don't want to be with me. I'm like a hot mess, (laughs) already, you know, gone through this whole life. And I told him, you know, I really don't want a serious relationship. I need to work on me. And he said, that's okay. I'll wait for you. And so we had this beautiful four-year relationship where we got to know each other and just really go slow for the first time to really work out problems that came up and find out who we were as people and see each other in all different kinds of scenarios. And so we ended up getting married and we went through genetic counseling because I was really scared to have children again. And so we had our first daughter and she was beautiful and perfect. And then three and a half years later, got pregnant again. And I started thinking, oh my gosh, like I need to thank someone bigger than me. I just feel like my life is so beautiful. I'm so blessed. And I think I need to go back to church. But as a child, we were raised as Catholic, which I'm so grateful that I will say I'm grateful to my mom for giving us a belief in God, because I think that that really helped us. But I had a skewed vision of who God was. And so I asked a friend, I said, I think I want to go to a different kind of church. And so she led me to a non-denominational church and I was six months pregnant and I had my little three-year-old daughter with me and something just electric came over me when I went to this service and I knew that was it. That was the next step. And I came home and told my husband and he was like, that's great for you, honey but I'm not interested. (laughs) And I went, what? How could God bring me all this way and then leave behind? But it was actually my first step of faith where God was saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me with all your heart? Let me work on your husband. You do the work on you. And so I went to church with my children for three and a half years before my husband joined me. And I look back at that time and we both kind of laugh about it because we're like, man, talk about God just completely circling your family and making that better. But one of the things that happened through that time is when my first daughter was born about two months later, I had been out of touch with my mom. She had been homeless. She 
she was here, there, everywhere. And I just kind of kept her at arm's length. And God was doing a work in that too, to say, you need to like, come back to your mother. My mom broke a hip and the hospital called me and said, you know, your mom was so drunk all night, we couldn't get any kind of response out of her of who to call. And we finally asked her the next morning and she said, me. And so they found my number in her address book. And so I began a journey with my mom, taking care of her damaged and all. God walked me through being able to set boundaries with her, but also just loving on a mom that was unlovable. And through that, there was some really beautiful times we had. And then my mom got dementia. And so I went on a 16 year journey while I was raising my girls. They got to see me being steadfast and really honoring a parent, even in spite of how she was. And, and my mom passed away in 2007. And I felt like that was the fully restored thing is that when she passed, my siblings were still at odds with her and they struggled when she passed. And I felt like such peace because I knew I had done everything that I was supposed to do within the boundaries of my family to protect my family too, but to also just love on a mom that when I really looked at her as a parent, now I looked at this lonely, scared unstable person. And I thought, man, what was your childhood like? And I realized when I started asking questions of what she would tell me, there was a lot of abuse in her family. And she had also been unmothered at nine years old. And so I found some writings when she had to go in a nursing home, we cleaned out her apartment. My mom actually wanted to write a book. And so I found some little scribblings and things and it helped me understand who she was as a person. And so I took her off the pedestal as a parent that's supposed to be perfect. And I put her on the level of just a human being that has these issues. And it didn't excuse her from the things she had done, but it helped me forgive and understand who she is. Wow, there's so much that you just unpacked right there. <laughs> and I'm thinking about that in your first relationship and the relationships pre-Jesus days, that you were looking for somebody to fill that hole and to give you value and self-worth. And we know that only comes from God. And then as you were talking about, you know, when you went to church and then you came home and, you know, had that encounter, went to church that first time, and your husband's like, that's great, but I'm not not interested in that. <laughs> Made um, me so mad. <laughs> but what I was thinking was, isn't that how God works sometimes? Because your faith needed to be yours and yours yes. only. It needed to be your walk and your walk only. And exactly. often when we ha are raised in unhealthy, dysfunctional families, we're continually going back to other people trying to get our value, our self-worth, and how different your relationship with God would have been if your husband came right away. But that gave you're you three so right years. That. Yeah. yeah. You're so right that gave you yeah. three years just to develop your own relationship and then that full circle of healing that God brought to you through recognizing your mom and looking at her through the lens of not the daughter. Mm -hmm. Really, I think what God was doing was he was beginning to show you what he sees in her. 
and the brokenness and the hurt. And you're right. It doesn't excuse what she did to you or what she allowed in your life, but it helps you to process that. And I'm thinking about the listeners who have their stories maybe different or similar, but they have that tension with a mother or a father, one of their parents of that was unhealthy. Why did you allow that into my life? And just to realize that God can still heal your heart, no matter what you experience, God can bring healing to your soul, that those soul wounds can be healed. And he taught you so much through that. And, you know, what a gift to actually be able to read some of her writing, because that's not often that we find things like that. And just to be able to process through who she is, who she was, what she was going through. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I keep it, I cherish those little, they're just on little tiny pieces of paper. Uh I keep them in a file and I look at them sometimes and I just think like how lonely she was and how, you know, if you think back, you know, I'm pretty old, but (laughs) you know, you think back in my mom's time, it was the 1930s, yeah, 1930s around there when she was a child and and then growing up in the 50s and 60s, people didn't talk about their emotions. You definitely had to hide and pretend that your family was okay because if you didn't, then you were shunned. And so I think about the pressure she must have been feeling and how lonely she was. My dad was a long distance truck driver. And, you know, I think about, gosh, you know, she probably was just screaming for help. And that's why she just started drinking because it calmed her moods, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So with your life experience and where God has brought you today, what are two or three things that you can share with our listeners as they begin their journey of healing? Yeah. So I think, you know, I talked about it before, like really trying to sit in the quietness and really try to hear God's voice. I always say it's it's just a gut feeling. And also, you know, when you you feel that tap on your shoulder kind of thing, when you know you're going into a situation, it's either like, uh, I'm not, it's just not feeling right. That's really like, I always tell people that's God tapping you on the shoulder, telling you yes or no. And so you instinctively have that in you. His his spirit is in you. His voice is in you. I think a lot of times people don't get quiet enough to really let God guide them. And so I would encourage you to sit quietly and really before you answer a question, if somebody needs you to do something or there's a direction where you're feeling conflicted, that's really time to sit back and think, not really answer somebody quickly. It's like, let me think about this and then sit quietly and just really let God guide you. And then also, if you do have like a mom or even a dad that is really putting your life in danger and now you're an adult and you're still just allowing them to run chaos. I tell people you have to set healthy boundaries. And so a lot of times what I would do is I would meet with my mom somewhere else quietly. I didn't let her come to my home after a while because the times when I did let her in, she wrecked chaos all around and she's toxic. And so even though I had a respect for her, my kids never grew up hearing the negative words that my mom would automatically throw out. And so when I used to bring my children over there, they, after a while, when they start getting older, they said, you know, grandma's kind of mean. Do we have to go visit? And I said, you absolutely don't. And so I don't believe in the the theory of blood thicker than water. I think we need to get rid of that because I think if that was a friendship or, you know, something like that, where someone was toxic, you would like keep them away. But because they're relatives, a lot of people just let those 
toxic people into their environment. So the only way you can create a better healthy family is to protect your inner family and keep the toxicity out. And so healthy boundaries are really helpful. So it doesn't mean that you're hating on the other person. It just means you have to meet them somewhere else or you have to set a boundary to say like, you can't come in here and talk that way or you can't call me and make those kind of comments. And you kind of call them on it, you know, and just sort of set that boundary in place. And then also just being kind to yourself, like really give yourself, if you have a family, like give your family a lot of love, be gentle with yourself. If you're having an, an anxious day or something, allow yourself that time. Don't try to just like cover it up or get through it. Like really sit in those feelings. I think a lot of times people aren't looking back to see where that hurt is coming from. And a lot of work I do with the coaching with clients that do have the mother-daughter relationship, as I tell them, we didn't get to be children. So you need to tend to that little girl and ask that little girl, what does she need? Because you need to let her know that you're there for her and it's okay. And so if you need to cry, you need to cry. If you need some kind of comfort or just a break on something, it's okay to do that. Don't try to muster through it and buck up and be strong. It's like you need to tend to that little girl. Those are three powerful words of wisdom right there. Listen to the quietness of God's voice. I always tell people when you're doing that, when you're listening to the quietness of God's voice, you talked about the gut feeling. I often say it's the words that come to your heart that are kind words, are loving words. Mm, They're not the words that you normally say to yourself, like, I love you, my daughter. I'm proud of you. You know, things like that. We're not going to say that to ourselves. That's God talking to us. And we're beginning to hear him and see that he does truly love us. And really, for those that are broken, that's often the words he starts speaking to us is his love and his acceptance for us and that he's proud of us because that's what we need to hear the most because we feel that nobody is proud of us. And the setting boundaries, oh, yes, we need to set boundaries in general in our life, but especially with the toxic people. And sadly, that is something I work with a lot of individuals with is about the toxic relationships that they have within their family of origin and how to set those healthy boundaries and to give themselves permission to set those boundaries because often mm, people do is good. Yeah, yeah because they don't word. do it because they don't feel that they have permission to do that. And then exactly. allowing kindness to yourself. I absolutely love that. Yes, we need to be kind. We need to treat ourselves lovingly. So tell us about your book. We only have a few minutes here. Tell us about your book, Unmothered Life with a Mom Who Couldn't Love Me and how people can connect with you online and purchase your book. Of course. Well, the book is a memoir and it does walk you through my childhood up until current time. And uh, I like to say like the title sounds sad. A lot of people go, oh, it makes me want to cry. And I do want people to really be affected by it. But I also want people to know it's a love story between a mother and daughter. So there is a happy ending. (laughs) And I think it's just something if you've gone through that or you're going through that kind of struggle It's really a great book of just a personal journey and showing you how you can come out of that. And people can reach me through my website, phyllismantelli.com. I actually have a link to the book there. The book is available on Amazon also and Redemption Press. 
And then pretty much all my little handles and links and all of that is on the website to Instagram, Facebook, and then our podcast, 24 Carat Conversations. So it's the number 24 Carat is C-A-R-A-T Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda. So those are all my little links to everything. Well, wonderful. So in our last few moments that we have here, could you pray for our listeners today? Absolutely. So one of the things I want to pray, my favorite scripture is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so I want to walk us through that with a prayer. Lord, the, the proverb says, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your, your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will make your paths straight. And so today, Father God, I ask that you help people learn to lean on you, Father God, and not on their own understanding, that they hear that quiet voice, Father God. I ask that they just trust in you with all of their heart, Lord, that if everything else in their life has failed, that you are still there. You are the one constant. You will make their paths straight when they reach out for you and grab hold. And so I pray over that today that whatever resonated with them during this time, that it's time for them to reach out and grab hold of you and grab hold of resources that will help pull them into a forward motion, Lord, that they don't have to sit in the shame. They don't have to sit in the guilt. They don't have to sit in the revenge and the anger and the bitterness, that they can just rely on something that will open their heart to a spirit of kindness, goodness, joy, peace, and comfort. And so we pray that over the listeners today, Lord, that whatever they are feeling, if their heart is pounding, this is meant for you. And I ask you to take that first step. And we us in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Phyllis, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found on my website, podcast.fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We would appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I too would love to stay connected with you. So be sure to find me on Instagram or my Facebook page, which are both at author Kristen Klaus. I pray this episode of Fully Restored Podcast ministered to you, encouraged you, and that you're walking away with some new tools of how to listen to God's voice, of giving yourself permission to set boundaries, and allowing yourself to be kind to yourself as you are walking out your own fully restored story. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.